0: Welcome to this edition of Backstage at Lyric. This time we present an audio transcript of the Discovery Series session for Richard Wagner's Die Meistersinger von Nürnberg. For those of you not familiar with the Discovery Series, it's panel discussions with the singers, conductors, directors, and other creative talent from the Lyric Opera season. There is usually one session per opera, and they generally take place a few days prior to the opening of each production. For more information on the Discovery Series, including ticket information, visit LyricOpera.org. And now we turn things over to Lyric Opera of Chicago dramaturg Roger Pines, your moderator for this Discovery Series session for Die Meistersinger von Nuremberg. Roger.
1: Good evening, everyone. Thank you so much for coming out on a rather cold and snowy night. We have a fantastic panel for you this evening. (laughs) I am uh, Roger Pines. I'm dramaturg of Lyric Opera of Chicago. This is the Discovery Series session devoted to Wagner's Die Meiste Zinge von Nürnberg. I assume that everyone has turned off their cell phones. If you haven't, please do. So we have five panelists this evening. It's the biggest panel of the season. So I don't have time for lots of long bios. We have a great deal to to cover, so if you'd like to learn about our guests' very distinguished careers, I suggest that you consult your program when you come to the performance, which I assume all of you will. This production is a momentous occasion in the life of our music director, Sir Andrew Davis, who will be on the podium conducting his ninth Wagner Opera at Lyric, This follows his successes with our productions of Flying Dutchman, Parsifal, The Four Operas of the Ring Cycle, Tristan und Isolde, and most recently Lohengrin. Marie Lambert is making her lyric debut as director of this revival of Sir David McVicker's production, which she worked on in its premiere presentation at Gleinborn Festival Opera, and that, by the way, is available on DVD, and I highly recommend it. Our singers on the panel are three of the most renowned stars on the international operatic scene. Uh, American-based baritone James Morris' name is synonymous not only with his role in Die Meistersinger, Hans Sachs, but also with Wagner's Wotan and Flying Dutchman. Both of those roles have been triumphs for him at Lyric, as have been his portrayals of Don Giovanni, Scarpia, the Mikado, and the four villains of The Tales of Hoffmann. South African tenor Johann Botha is returning to us as Walter von Stolzing, a role with which he is closely associated. He's won huge praise at Lyric, starring as Enso in La Gioconda, Calaf in Turandot, Kanio in Paiachi, and most recently the title role of Lohengrin. Danish baritone Bo our Beckmesser, debuted with us as Jeletsky in the production of the Queen of Spades that in- initiated Sir Andrew's tenure as music director. Mr. Scofus subsequently returned to Lyric to triumph in one of his signature roles, Eisenstein in the Fledermaus. So please join me in welcoming to the Discovery Series in alphabetical order, Johann Bota, Sir Andrew Davis, Marie Lambert, James Morris, and Bo Scofus. Okay. The uh, 60-second handy-dandy synopsis, first of all, to remind all of you since we haven't done Meister Zinger since the late 1990s. A gallant knight, Walter von Stolzing, wishes to enter a song contest in Nuremberg in order to win the prize, which is the hand of Eva, the girl he loves, whose father is the richest man in town all contestants must be master singers. And in his audition for the Master Singers Guild, Walter's passionate artistry is rejected by all but the wise and warm-hearted cobbler poet Hans Sachs. Sachs encourages Walter in the writing of a gloriously beautiful prize song. In the end, after his rival, the town clerk Sixtus Beckmesser tries and fails in his singing at the song contest, Walter sings his prize song and wins Ava. Talk about reducing a five and a half hour. <laughs> that's, that's, like Anna that's, Russell, like, that's like Anna Russell talking right. about the ring. Yeah. You know. it's <laughs> as basic as basic can be. But it's our, our takeoff point for the first question. And any of you, please feel free to respond. I want to ask you what you would cite as the particular... What's your favorite sort of asset of this piece? It's great particular strength, whether dramatic or musical... Uh, that gives you the most satisfaction and impresses you the most, whatever element of the piece you would sort of single out?
2: The overture. <laughs> <laughs>
3: <laughs>
2: I
1: have a
3: special question for you. I
2: have a special question for you about Sorry, that. I felt I had to yeah. say that. <laughs> <laughs> but it's, no, it's very hard to say because it, it's an extraordinary piece and in in many ways it's uh, it's very different to almost any of other Wagner's opera. Mind you, he's, he, he's he's developed to such an extraordinary degree over the course of his life. I and mean, if you think of <coughs> the really early pieces, like Liebes Verboten Defame*, Fame, which nobody ever does, and you look at them, they they have <coughs> touches of of inspiration, but they're basically incompetent. <laughs> um, you know, he, you feel he's a, a very much an amateur composer, um, you get to Meister Singer, and you just look at the counterpoint in the overture or the Forspiel, the prelude, uh, and and the, the skill with which he uses the orchestra, and it's it's like a journey that uh, you can only compare it. I think the only other composer you can compare it to is Verdi, who of course was born in the same year. And when you think of the very early early Verdi operas, Battaglia di Legnano, and and, and then you get to to Falstaff and Otello, and uh, even the Quattro Pezzi Sacri, you know, which wrote afterwards um so uh, you know it's it's there's so much in the piece that's that's new and um and of course the other thing is it's it's much more diatonic this you know after you've just written this chromatic piece uh, Tristan and Isolde which you know led us to Schoenberg and all that sort of stuff um now we go back to sort of Bachian counterpoint and, and, and a much, much simpler harmonic language. But that, of course, is uh, in itself a simplification. But,
3: so that's what strikes me most about it.
1: Anyone else? Uh,
3: for me, it's uh, the marriage of the, the music and the poetry. I mean, first of all, this is one extended four-and-a-half, five-hour poem. Everything rhymes. And to be able to write a poem like that, and he had such a command of his language that, uh, you know, if if you go to the dictionary to look up the meaning of a word, there'll be like three or four meanings. And quite often, in order to find the right word to rhyme with what he wanted to, he would use like the third or fourth meaning down. I mean, it it was just amazing. And um, along with the music, uh, his treatment of the leitmotifs, I mean, Wagner is always known for his light motifs, as Anna Russell says, a signature tune. But uh, <clears throat> but in, in this particular piece, he'll combine two or three all at once, like you say, the counterpoint and the overture. But uh, all through the piece, you hear Walter's prize song uh, every three minutes. You know, you hear little snippets of it. Yeah. And um, there are times when it's just everything's all falling over each other. And the genius of the man... Um, I don't know if it's true, but I'd heard that he composed the entire overture in his head on a train. But who knows? But um, And H.L. Mencken once wrote that uh, he believed that uh, the Meistersinger was the single most important work ever created by man. That it took more skill and planning to uh, produce, uh, to write and plan uh, the Meistersinger than it did the whole canon of Shakespeare. But... <laughs>
4: So.
1: Anyone else? Bo, Johan, Marie. Well, for,
4: for me, the piece is uh, when I heard the first. I was listening to it on records, uh, and when I heard the first time, uh, the riot or the fist, uh, the the big uh, the the uh, the fugue, where all these people are fighting with each other in the city in the town uh, square, I thought. And I thought, you know, read it first, and I think, hell, I can create all that chaos in one evening. I thought, hell, this is a piece I would love to sing. (laughs) (laughs) So my whole character for me is, you know, this person coming into a town and put the whole town upside down and win the prize in the end also, you know. So (laughs) (laughs) it's just amazing music, uh, especially the riot. Uh, If you have 150 people singing together, fighting together on the stage. And this poor Beckmesser is trying to sing his song so desperately <laughs> and everybody is just going against him. I mean, that was, one, it was for me, one of the most amazing pieces in the world. Yeah, I
5: think everything is said now. <laughs>
4: <laughs> but, but actually,
2: just about Beckmesser, and you've sung this a lot, though, this role. Um, I th- personally... I end up feeling almost sympathetic to him. I mean, you know, he's a pedant. And, uh, you know, he doesn't have a lot of imagination. And he's, and he's kind of uh, jealous and, and proud. And, and, uh, but there's something vulnerable about him, I think. I've, I've, I end up sort of having quite an affection for him. And even though he gets, you know, he gets pilloried and made fun of, he's he's still a character with some inner dignity i think
5: absolutely but it's it's though it's by by wagner absolutely a figure i find and maybe we'll probably get into that later but it's a figure that i find is a, a typical critic i mean wagner probably wrote it as a critic also could be because it's typical i mean i hope there's no Critics here tonight but, but it's typical when you when it's, you have uh... <laughs> well, yeah. no, but it's typical when when they're very good in in you know throwing out things, but when they have to do something themselves, everything is just stopped because they can't do anything that's the problem and they did, that is his typical thing he has he's extremely intelligent he's really an intelligent person who can who catches everything very fast and can can reply to things very, very fast. But when it comes to that, what he actually has to do, sing, he has, and and, and Wagner shows that very, very fine, I find, in this very simple melody. Only that melody the whole time, that's the only one he knows. (laughs) And also if he gets a new poem by Saxon or by Walter that that actually has, has composed it, he used the same melody, you know, because this is the only one that he knows. And that, you know, it's, it shows that it's a very simple-minded person there.
2: Actually, one of my favourite jokes in the opera, I mean, you know, the whole sort of scene yeah. of, of the thing is a joke, but there's <clears> a scene when, um, uh, at the beginning of Act 3, when, when Zux asks David to sing his song, that he, uh, The Apprentice, uh, yeah. The Apprentice song, yeah. and he starts off... <laughs> With the, with the Beckmesser's tune, because, it, you know, it may be it may be very basic tune, but it's catchy. You know? Yeah,
5: it is. Everybody heard from the whole chorus now. We can't get this tune out of our head now. It's,
1: it's terrible. There, uh, 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 uh. Marie, you are remounting uh, Sir David McVicker's production that updates the piece by about three centuries to the 1830s. So can you explain to us what, what prompted that updating
6: The action is set at the beginning of the 19th century when uh, what is actually Germany, what is now Germany, was uh, recovering from the Napoleon invasion. And it was a time when culture and art, singing, writing was about bringing people together again, having had lived through the invasion. Uh, And of course, the French army brought order, a form of centralized order that was quite welcomed by the German states then, but it also troubled and shook everybody. And they thought, and the uh, German romantics at that time thought that uh, by bringing the people together, by looking at the folk songs, looking at the folk, what could be understood by the people, they would bring nations together. And uh, nationalism at that time was a liberal expression And Sachs is uh, obsessed with the folk, as probably Wagner was, the comprehension of things and making accessible, making the rules of the Meistersinger, this is the whole first act uh, speech, making the rules of the Meistersinger accessible. And we were talking about Beckmesser, how he desperately tries to, follow the rules without really understanding whereas Zax is beyond the rules already and thinks that they should be discussed and um, and this is a comedy of course so the rules themselves are, as they are read uh, in the tabula tour are absurd you know the the rhyme comes to the end of the verse of course it does but this is established by the rules and uh, by setting the the action in the beginning of the 19th century you are in the pre-industrial world, which is fundamental to understand that Nuremberg is ran by craftsmen. This is tradesmen. This is people living in a small town and uh, recovering from invasion. And they all belong to guild. And, you know, the bakers and the, the tailors, everyone is defending their own crafts and their own trades. And you, you have to be in pre-industrial world to understand that sort of... Um, the wealth of the town coming from these hard-working people, and it also makes sense for the apprentices um, to set it in that area uh, because the apprentices are young lads who were plucked from the farms and the streets around Nuremberg and taken in by the Meisters who transmit and teach them the crafts and then send them to the world. So it's visually quite stunning as well, as far as the costumes go. So uh, it's, it's, it works. It works and it makes sense, especially for Zax's speech at the end of the, of the piece.
1: Right. Um, Andrew was mentioning the prelude before, and I want to go back to that for a minute because next to the prize song is probably the most famous music in the entire opera. Um, first of all, it starts... I mean, it's a C major piece, isn't it? Is that... A bit of a surprise, do you think, that Wagner would would begin the piece in that key, that sort of very basic key, the most basic key well, there is? Well,
2: I mean, as I said before, it's com- coming after Tristan. I mean, it, I'm, I'm sure it was a a, a shock to, to its first listeners, because they would have thought that, you know, he would go in the direction he'd already been, whereas he... Um, And, you know, in some ways I always think of C major as the least interesting of all keys, but actually he makes it the most glorious of all keys, and that's that's one of the things that is so fantastic about this piece. Yeah, so, um, and the thing is that in the overture, we we do get a sense of what the harmonic language of the piece is going to be. And, of course, it goes into different keys, and and there's E major section in which we hear the prize song in, in the wrong in four, four instead of three four um, and, and there's a lot of counterpoint and um, there's you know foretaste of things to come um, but, but it's yeah I, so yes, it's a sort of backward step, but it's it's a forward step at the same time. I mean that's the the, 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 um, the, the sort of irony of, of, of this piece in a way.
1: What's interesting too is that it doesn't end. Really, I mean, it goes right into, or doesn't f- end formally, it goes right into the next thing, which is?
2: Yeah, which, which is the, the chorale that they're singing in the church. So you have to wait all, all the way through to the end of the opera to hear the end of the overture. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> it's a good cut, some people think. Uh,
1: <laughs> Jim, you're playing a person who actually lived, Hans Sachs, someone we can find out a bit a, a find out a bit about him historically go to Wikipedia and there's a whole big entry on Han Sachs. It's very easy. So, is it important to be aware of the real Han Sachs? Does that help you play him? Uh, <clears throat>
3: I think so. Uh, it's always much more fun to play an actual historical character than it is to play the devil or the king or something like that. Um, it's very interesting to research things and to get an insight into You know, some thought processes. And one thing in particular uh, in the scene with Ava, when uh, she talks about him uh, having children, a wife and children, and uh, it's very poignant. He says, uh, I've had a wife and children. You know, I've had enough uh, children. And the actual historical socks had uh, six children, and his wife and all of his children, were uh, they died in the plague. And so that brings a certain moment of poignancy to that particular scene. But uh, no, it's, it's very interesting. And, and I remember one time uh, in Vienna, uh, this isn't there anymore, but next to the uh, Stefan's Dome, next to the big cathedral in the middle of town, there was an actual shoe store. It said Han Socks <laughs> on it, so, and I don't think they named it after the opera. <laughs> <laughs>
1: um- You don't sing that much in the first act, but what do we learn about him by the end of the first act?
3: Uh, You understand his his openness and his willingness for for newness. Uh, He he does know the importance of the rules. Uh, After all, he is German, so there will be rules. Um, And and he understands this, but at the same time, he accepts new thoughts and... um, He even says to the Meisters uh, after Walter sung his uh, first piece that it was new, but it wasn't wrong. And they all go, what are you talking about? And in the uh, second act, the beginning of the second act, in the Fleeter monologue, Sox is replaying this in his head. And he's bewildered because he just can't get, he can't grasp it, he can't get a hold of it. And at the same time, I think it's also an answer to his critics, like, Bo was saying about Beckmesser but I think the whole piece actually is an answer to his critics who uh, criticized him for being new and uh, so uh, this was sort of a slap in the face to them
1: Now we meet Walter Well, he's the first person we meet in the opera so Johan what are you actually doing in Nuremberg in the first place Well in the Your first character.
4: place um, you know, I'm a, ni- I'm a nobleman that's coming uh, from uh, a noble family and I'm the last one in my family so what happens is that I need some money so I need to sell basically everything and that's what also Pogne is saying that uh, I'm helping him to selling his land in this castle and everything and that's the reason why I'm coming to town and that he meets Eva the night before uh, that's the reason why he turns the whole little town upside down.
1: So Pogner sort of invites him to dinner, and that's where he meets Ava?
4: Well, yes, basically. And um, that's one of those things, you know, then they fall in love, and the next morning, Walt, uh, Walter just start. he put it in his head, he wants to win this woman, even if he have to learn to sing, uh, and compose a song, which David tells him, uh, trying to tell him uh, during the whole first scene, where he goes like, cut to the point. What do I have to do to, you know, to do it? And, I mean, to think the whole undertaking that he's undertaking and himself just to go on the stage and to go in there and confront all these meisters in a in a room, and everybody think, you know, just sing a song and then expect to be called a meister afterwards, you know. Well, he, does, he doesn't lack self-confidence,
2: does he? No, he, he doesn't <laughs> lack self-confidence,
4: no, not at all. And then in the second act, where he then fed up with the Meisters, you know, he wants to abduct the EFA, where Hans Sachs then said, no, stop, It's not the way to do it. And then to have also in the intelligence to listen to a person like Zachs who explained to him basically the same thing that David explained to him the day before in the first, you know, in the whole thing, In in the church. But at this point, I think at this point, Walter, uh, you know, the two of us, it's like a father-son figure comes together. And at this point, I'm too tired to fight these people. And so now to use your intelligence to see, okay, I have to compose this song. And to do it, I think for Walter, it's it's, it's just one of those things that I like about the character is, you know, I feel myself as Walter von Stolz, you know, coming to town and uh, turn the whole thing upside down and then just go, because it happens to me in every town, every opera house that I come in, you know. I don't, <laughs> you know, I'm only a guest. I don't speak, I don't have to do theatre politics, nothing at all. I just come and uh, do my thing as best as I can and then go home, you know. <laughs> and I think that's the basic thing about Walter also, you know, uh, when he's married, uh, he've got, not only he got Eva, but uh, he inherit all Pogner's money, and I think, uh, go home. I mean, if he stays, nobody knows if he will stay in Nuremberg uh, with the Meisters. I mean, especially not after they have shunned themselves in the first act. I mean, it's, in this production, it's very clear that they didn't like me. <laughs> <Yeah>.
2: <laughs> and, and, of, and of course, right at the end, he does this sort of spoiled brat routine where they want to give him the... the, the chain, yes, the where he said, no,
4: I don't want to be a maestro, you know. Uh, but it's because of the day that, that you know, his first experience with them, uh, being in the one room with them uh, where they just uh, pull him apart and, you know, even, uh, even the moment he starts coming in when Porgner introduced him, he's the one that says, well, there's no time for this now. Let's get on with, you know, let's go home. You know, so that's the first negative thing uh, that happened to him and then Zach says, no, but let's listen to what he's to say. You know? And then, if, you know, is he noble is he noble by birth? I mean, that's the biggest insult that they can give somebody, I think. And I do, I make a, a huge reaction out of it, uh, which people will see on stage in the first act. And I'm very happy that the Meister really react to what I'm doing on stage. So... It's a nice breeze for me. I just enjoy singing it.
1: Um, well, we, we you, have,
2: you have a treat in store hearing this man <laughs> sing this part.
1: We meet Beckmesser comparatively early in the act as well. Um, first of all, can you explain, Bo, can you explain Beckmesser's position in the town, his status?
5: well he's a, 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 a what you in german would say a stadtschreiber that's a position that he has in the in the he's a, a town how do you how do you put that in english
1: clerk yeah clerk. he's a
5: clerk yeah. Yeah. he's a clerk yeah and and that is i think that he is one of the as a, he's the only one of the meisters who is um who have an education in in that form that he has taking an e- exam in the school and things otherwise you would not be able to have that position and that's also what what he's uh, pulling off all the time that he is better than anybody else because he had he has an education the other ones are are, are, are workers they're, they're hand workers no. and and he work with his brain and um, and 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 I think that is that is his um, it, it's his position in the town and it's in position in the, he's the marker, he's the one that um, uh, the the marker, he's the one that Points out all the wrong things that the other meisters are doing when they are singing, you know, by a little blackboard that he has in his little mm-hmm. office, which is a very funny thing here actually. It's a little little box that you close yourself into that you're not seeing who is singing, so you don't get disturbed, but you can only hear because you should only use one of your senses, namely exactly the the hearing. So uh, he makes when Walter is singing a lot of noise in there with krits, krits, because he's doing doing so many mistakes, you know.
4: Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, mm-hmm.
5: uh, yeah. So that is that is that is his his way. I mean that what if you can imagine what these masters are doing? You know, every time they get together, somebody sings a song and and Beck-Mess is sitting in there and say, "Oh, there was three mistakes. Yeah, four mistakes." You <laughs> know, this is a very funny thing actually to think about the way that you get together. Mm-hmm. You know? But okay.
1: Well, what do you think? Have you created some kind of backstory in your mind for him that would account for the fact that he is so ultra sensitive and so touchy about basically everything in life?
5: Yeah, <laughs> man I think it's very easy to. I mean, there, there, there are a lot of these persons around. You know, you just yeah. have to. We just really have to open your eyes, and especially in the theater, there's many, many, many. We have a lot of these persons. So,
4: okay, also in normal life, go to passport control, and you see yeah. a lot of them. Yeah, <laughs> things
5: like that. So it's 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 people who really you know the glass should stand there and not there you know it has to be yeah. and if something is said to be and you have to iron your jeans and you have to you know you do everything yeah, yeah. right yeah. and and he's he that's the way he was brought up and that's uh, there's nothing wrong in that you no. know there's absolutely nothing wrong in that it's just when you want everybody to be like that then it gets a little annoying yes. because that's what he wants you know he can only see it from his point of view and he's always right all hmm. of the others are wrong. <laughs> I am right. And there are a lot of people like that. I have. I know. <clears throat> yeah.
1: There isn't all that much action in that first act. So, Andrew, how does Wagner sustain our interest musically as the first act proceeds? Well, one of
2: the remarkable things about the first act is that uh, there's a, an immensely long passage, which is basically... Based on one musical idea, it's three bits in a bar, and it's um, <speaking in> uh, and and this goes on and on and on and on. It goes through all kinds of keys. I mean, he's incredibly inventive with it, but it does describe the sort of inexorable progress of this scene, uh, which deals with you know the different meisters, uh, uh, meister and and uh, uh, and uh, Kotner, who is who is the kind of. What would you call him? The chairman, I suppose. Um, <laughs> uh, who, who, and then, and then Pogna introducing his idea of, of of giving the hand of Eva, his daughter, as as, as part of the prize, uh, and and it's uh, this this whole musical idea, which is very simple, actually binds this long scene together, and and it doesn't get boring, which is. Sort of, you, you know, you look through the score and you think, my God, this goes on and on and on. But, it does, but just because he has such skill in, in the different, uh, as I say, different tonalities that he takes the thing through and how he varies the texture and what goes on over this sort of continuous base, uh, and then, of course, the dialogue is constantly developing, it's, it's, it's very remarkable because it, it occupies a huge amount of the scene.
1: I suppose I should ask Marie the same que- something like the same question because it's up to you, just as Andrew is creating musical interest throughout in the first act, for you to sustain dramatic interest, visual interest. So how do you accomplish that, considering how talky so much of the first act actually the, is?
6: The structure of the first act is actually brilliant for that because we are following Walter's entrance and discovery of the world that he stepped into And after he meets Eva in the sort of Jane Jane Austen sort of after-service sort of way, we stay behind a church and talk, and that's the only circumstance in in which you're allowed to talk to the other sex, of course. Then he's left in the hands of David, who is uh, Zax's apprentice, and the most uh, nerdy apprentice, I suppose. Uh, (laughs) David is a fantastic character. He is the one who, answering the passion, the, the, the passionate Walter who wants to marry Eva, he is going to say, yes, but you have to become a Meister, and what are the Meisters? And he's the one introducing us to the concept of what the Meisters are and what they do, and he does that in a very passionate way. It's a long scene, and he describes everything, and he goes through the list of very long and very entertaining list of tomes and then we finally meet the Meisters and you know it's it's so well written you have to stay with these characters because you are introduced progressively to the world of the Meisters and eventually they do come in and when they do it's fabulous you know because Beckmesser and Pogner are the first ones in and you instantly understand who Beckmesser is and the relationship with Pogner, his interest, what he wants. And then they all come in, and the Meisters are characterized in a very precise way by Wagner. And if you follow what he asks of you in the music, it, it's about giving the, the, the performers the, the sense of how detailed and lively the scene should be the pleasure they have in gathering together it's a gen- gentleman's club they have a snack they have tea and they enjoy it so much so it's there is a lot happening actually you know in the sense of joining this community step by step getting to know them and when they eventually step in onto the stage you sort of you want to know who's who and what they've done and who they are and where the apprentices are and um, and of course, foremost of the meisters, the last to come in is Hans Sachs, and this is completely logical. This is he's the one you want to meet last, of course, because. He's and the and of course, the,
2: cli- the climax of the of the act is is when Walter is trying to sing his song and he you know he's got halfway through and and Beckmesser says that's it, you've already done you done your seven mistakes. In fact, you've done. Twenty, I don't know how many. He's got a huge slate of things. So you know, and Walter says, "No, no, no! You have to let me finish." And then the whole thing sort of disintegrates, with everyone sort of saying, "No, no, this is not good enough." And then somebody says, "Well, it wasn't so bad." And 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 Zach is trying to get everyone to keep an open mind, uh, but the whole thing. And then the, and then finally, all the apprentices come in and think, "Well, this is this is a." this is fun. jolly old knees yeah. you know they they add their rather sort of disruptive quality so the, the whole ensemble at the end of the first act builds to the most fantastic conclusion actually i think it's a, it's another example of of the skill the sheer compositional skill of combining so many things
1: together but the act ends fairly quietly in the last like two minutes of it right
2: well uh, yes. after everybody leaves
1: well, uh,
2: yes. Evident. Well, because you know we're well. You Reflectively, were I'd say. Yeah.
3: Reflectively.
2: Yeah. Huh? yeah. Sox, Sox is left we see to Sox think thinking about what thinking, went thinking. It's like he's saying, yeah. "Where is this going to take us? You right. know, and where is it going to take me?" He's because uh, because uh, he's you know, very conscious hours, of his own right. <laughs> position in in this. Don't you think?
3: Mm-hmm. Absolutely.
1: Now, Jim, you are on stage for nearly all of Act Two. And shortly after you appear, you have these two hugely important scenes back-to-back. First, your monologue, and then your scene with Ava. So you mentioned a little bit about the monologue before, but is there a sort of through line in the monologue? Does he, how does he move from thought to thought in it?
3: <clears throat> he begins by uh, just being overwhelmed by the night. He, he talks about smelling the elder blossoms, and uh, it says in the square lilac, but my coach researched it and lilacs don't grow at that time of year so (laughs) it's an elder tree anyway um so and he's just overwhelmed by this peacefulness and uh this sense of wanting to do something he he says that that the night is inspiring him to do something to create something and he tries and he can't do it and he's faced with his own limitations and he thinks back on, on Walter's song in the previous act and how new it was. And uh, it was young, but it sounded old, and he couldn't grasp it. And even if he could hold on to it, he couldn't understand it. So there is a sense of bewilderment, like I said before. Uh, and then he just reflects on the fact that, that spring, obviously, is what inspired Walter and so, you know, it just it's, it's one continuous thought process, but like you say, from one thing to the next.
1: Then you have your dialogue with Ava, which is actually my mm. favorite scene in the whole opera. And yeah. you and I have spoken about this before, and it was so touching what you said about their relationship. I was wondering if you could talk a bit about it.
3: Well, he's, he's a father figure to Ava. Uh, the general thought is that Pogner, the richest man in town, her father has been busy with business all of his life, so she's sort of been left without a father figure. Um, but uh, there aren't a whole lot of possibilities for a young girl in Nuremberg at the time, and so when Walter appears, it's like, you know. Yeah. Um, but uh, at the same time, I mean, she, she comes to try and get information from Socks about Walter's audition, as it were, uh, for the Maestri. And uh, but at, then at the same time, she's thinking about, well, if he's not accepted as a master and if she can have him, then she starts flirting a little bit with Socks. And <clears throat> Sox is very amused by this. He's always thought of her as a daughter, and he keeps saying this to her, about carrying her in uh, his arms when she was little. And then when she starts flirting with him, he says, Oh, you're making fun of me, or you're putting dust in my eyes is the actual translation. Um and it he's very kindly with it. Uh he's not putting her down, but he's he's very kindly uh rebuffing her. But then at the same time, there's a little grain of something in the back of his head, you know. Uh he is flattered by it. And uh there, there's a moment later actually uh in the opera where you can see that he's thinking, well, maybe, you know, what might have been. But uh, he, kn- he knows it's not right.
1: What does he so. say when she asks him, well, couldn't a widower compete in the song contest? Yeah. What's his response and to that?
3: And then uh, he, he sees where she's going with that. And he says, well, he'd be too old for you. Uh, it's a wonderful line. And mein kinder zuvab für dich. He's too old.
1: And then because she, he
3: knows that she's referring to him.
1: But then she ends the scene by, by rushing off in, in a huff. I mean, she's angry with him. Why is she at the end of that scene?
3: Because he, uh, he didn't just say that Walter didn't have a good time with the audition. He goes into great detail about how Valter is never going to succeed. Uh, he'll never be a meister in any land at all. And it's better for him not to take up Uh, The people in Nuremberg's time let him try his chances somewhere else, and she gets very annoyed with this.
1: Now, one of the most dramatic episodes in the whole opera comes with Walter's entrance in Act Two. You seem to be really furious at that moment, Johan. What is he so upset about? Well,
4: I think he's furious about the point that he, I think, not having... Think of it, the whole th- you know—thinking the whole thing through, what he's going to do afterwards. Number one, number two, that he didn't succeed in what he was trying to do, because being in the uh, in the first act, he hears the announcement of Faulkner saying that you know she have he, she can only uh, be married to a meister, all right, and. That also put a lot of pressure on onto, onto Walter for the fact that he really want he really lo, he loves her and he wants to marry her, and now he have to learn to sing to be a meister to pull the whole thing off, you know, and then they the meister the meister treat him so bad in the first act that in the second act he's very he's prepared to uh, you know to just uh, abduct her and take her away from. The whole Nuremberg. And at one point, Zaks sees the whole thing. And um, he's the one who stops us actually from entering out of this. You know, there's only one way we can escape, and that's past his house. And she says, no, we can't because he's there, you know. And then he shows up and... Uh, put the whole thing into a different perspective, <laughs> which is also then very interesting for me as Walter. Yeah, of course he's mad. He, he, you know, if um, I, he's, 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 uh, at one point he just screams aloud when you he hear the horn of the Nachtwächter and I pull, I really pull the sword. I mean, that's also uh, indicated by Walter, by Wagner himself that he is really mad. He, he, if, uh, I think if somebody was really standing there in front of him, he would have just uh, hacked him to pieces, you know. But Walter is—he knows he's in this situation, and he don't know how to what to do at this moment, other than just to take her and run away, you know. So, and then are confronted by the fact that Zax and Beckmesser wants to sing the song for Eva, and. In the you know, Eva, without knowing it's listening to his song, what he's singing, because we are just old, normally we are stuck in behind, we are you know hiding again uh, behind the bush, and the Zacks. Then it becomes more interesting for Var, for Walter because he hears how Zachs really take Beckmesser apart in his song, singing for Eva. So. And then what happens then is the whole town wakes up in the end and everybody's fighting with each other. And during that, Ivan and I try to get, you know, to run away and Zach stops us, you know. He's the one actually to make sure that it doesn't end up in the wrong way because in those days, if something like that happened, both families would, you know, it will be a disaster in those families. If you think back in the historical figures... What would really happen in that time? That um, that will be the biggest disgrace for a family if I, as a nobleman, abducted the woman. You know, that wasn't supposed to happen. And I think for Wagner to bring this whole thing of this whole uh, idea of this guy who wants to go from one okay, if I can't be a Meister, then I abduct her, and then having to force Walter and Eva outside of a Bush, having to listen to how Beckmesser has been, how he sings, and how Zachs gives him the most biggest hell in the world. <laughs> uh, it's, it's the most amazing scene. And then at the end, that Zaks decided, okay, I'm not going to let this happen. Then let's teach the guy how to really do it, you know?
2: Well, The interesting thing is that, you know, Walter sings his sort of trial song in the first act, and uh, which is has some interesting ideas in it, uh, musically and, and poetically. But well, he's c- trying but to do that. compared to the compared to Walter the prize did. song, of course, yeah. it's it's a piece of rubbish. Yeah. Uh, and and um, although it has some phrases in it, when you know, uh, Zax is having his monologue talking about how sweet the the air smells. The 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 the, the hmm. sound from the, in the horns in the background is, which is from Walter's song in the first act. So it's made hmm. you know that's there, and 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 Zax sees that this guy actually has potential. I know, well, gifts anyway, genius maybe. But 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 it's kind of un, untamed. So the fact that Walter actually listens to Zux so intelligently yeah. I mean, you know, it's like all opera, everything is condensed into a short period of time, but but he actually learns the lessons from Zux and manages to combine the, the discipline with his imagination. I mean that's I think that's the point and that's yes. the point was what wagner was making to his
4: critics Exactly and also yeah. the fact that Zucks is this person who have who finds the words to put out in the third act the whole conversation between us i mean not criticizing with all the things because i mean I, i'm also asked one question you know so um when you're getting old how you keep it up you know and where he, figuratively on- speaking, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> where he, you know, instead of getting mad at Walter, you know, just teaching the right, say, telling the right things at the right moment for it to him, that just triggers his Im- imagination, and then to have to pull it off.
1: Now, central to the whole second half of the second act is Beckmesser's dialogue with Sachs, which leads into uh, your serenade. So, Bo, what is most important for you to communicate to the audience about what Beckmesser's general attitude towards Sachs actually is? I think I think
5: that the two people, Sachs and Beckmesser, are actually very good friends it cannot work if they're not and they know each other very very well they play jokes and games with each other all the time, it's like mm. two small children playing with each other I think but in that scene where Beck comes he's not expecting Sax to be there because he says in the first act if, I've, if everything goes wrong I will sing for this lady and see how, she's, how she reacts to my song and and that is normally a thing you do, two persons. You know that's not a third <laughs> person should not be involved here, and uh, and he's very annoyed to to meet Sachs in that evening also. And and I think this this amazing scene between the two of them shows really uh. also what what kind of of. Wits or what kind of jokes Wagner can do musically? Yeah. It is amazingly done with with what you can do with a hammer, actually. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> How much you can disturb with a hammer? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. because it it is so geniusly made this the uh, musically, Andrew. It is it's really and we spoke about that also. Yeah. It's very hard to conduct also these the, because it's so it's so constructed. No? Yeah. yeah. And 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 but but basically, I think the the, the scene between Saxon and, and and Beckmesser shows that they are very good friends. It's not that they're going to kill each other, you know, like like this. It is it is they're playing games all the time. I think, I
3: think Beckmesser gets very frustrated with Socks and Socks takes Beckmesser with a grain of salt.
5: Yeah, yeah. Well, absolutely. And, uh, That's yeah. but but no, it it's is...
3: it's such a funny scene. It's. Every time I say, well, that's my favorite scene And then in the next minute I say, well, this is my favorite scene <laughs> and I think I mean, yeah. that's yeah. The genius of this piece yeah. But we, no, that, that scene Between Beckmesser and Sachs, I think is One of the But It's a very
2: complicated scene, because also, I mean, Sachs is there to, Also to stop Walter and Ava right. eloping So yeah. there's, there's sort of So many different things happening at once you know? exactly. we,
1: uh, we, Of course we have to talk about the riot Both musically and dramatically So, uh, Andrew, let me ask you First, what is the secret to sort of keeping it together musically? It's so complicated.
2: I'd like to know. Yeah. <laughs>
4: <laughs> Let's keep the basses and the basses and the orchestra together. <laughs>
2: yeah. No, I mean the, the the difficult thing about the riot scene is that you know we've been going along and 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 Beckmesser is still. Desperately singing his song For the 96th time And his and, axe and is interrupting him For the 96th time And now meanwhile has disappeared on the balcony and, and so the whole thing Is starting to fill in And then but, and So it goes along in, in a steady tempo For a long time Then there's a change of tempo And that is where All the chorus start flooding And everyone starts singing uh, And that is very difficult Because it's very fragmented The, the, the entries are, are And so And so and then eventually, everyone's on, and 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 the and the piece becomes much more ordered musically, in a sense. And then, then you can, you know, then it is almost guaranteed to come together. But it's this first passage that is an absolute sob. You know, I mean, it's 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 really difficult to to make that work just because of the, you know, the everyone's chipping in with a little phrase, and it has to fit like a piece of clockwork. So that's. Um, that's as i say if, if you can if you tell me a foolproof way of making sure it's perfect i'll be i'll I'll pay you a considerable sum so,
1: so then Marie, how do you stage it
6: well, it's the middle of the night, and they are all you know some come in slowly, some run on for a fight um they're up for a fight um, some ladies are in their nightgowns, some gents are in their nightgowns as well, so you have. A variety of uh, groups and people and and um, what they sing as well, this is my husband, no, this is my husband, no, this is my husband fighting well, my husband is fighting your husband and uh, and somebody wants to um, use the pretext the, the the context of the riot to just um, get it over with their, with their neighbors so the neighbors come in, the meisters come in, the gazillion come in, and everyone comes in and pitches into the riot. It's aggressivity, but it's also people having fun in the middle of the night, you know, and uh, making lots of noise. And we have the apprentices, of course. They're the first ones in. And we also add kids. Uh, Kids are really good fighters, actually. They have lots of fun. And um, uh, the fight director has been working very thoroughly with different groups, uh, non-singing groups as well as singing groups. And uh, it's a mechanic that you have to get right, because musically it has to stay together, of course. And dramatically, there are big moments. Uh, Beckmesser reappears at some point, being chased by David. And then, uh, of course, Walter and Eva appear at the very end. But it's one minute to get 130 people on, and one minute to get them off again. And in between, you know, you've left with some wounded people on the floor which get dragged <laughs> off. And then, of course, the last one, the last man down, as, as it were, is Beck Messer. And poor thing, you know, having had 130 people just running over him. Um, it's, it's genius. It's genius theatre. I cannot call it any other way. And... Uh, it, if you follow Wagner's indication, it's based on accumulation, as you said, it's one after the other. If you follow that, and it's genius, it's just fascinating. It's
2: interesting, if you look at a libretto and you read the text of this riot scene, you think, God, this must go on forever. But, of course, the fact of the matter is everyone's singing their different lines at once. <laughs> so, actually, it goes by comparatively in a flash. Mm. Yeah. Uh, but, it, but it's, uh, again, it's a stroke of, uh, of genius compositionally, I mean, the way he puts everything together. And, you know, we're talking about, uh, you know, Wagner stretching harmony and Tristan and so on. There is one place in the riot which I absolutely love because it almost becomes, there's almost a chord that's based on sixth superimposed fourths ba Which is, you know, looks forward to. I don't know Hindemith or something, but actually chickens out at the last minute and changes one of the notes too. So it's not quite a perfect sort of um, Schoenbergian chord. But but he's he's, you know, even even in this supposedly diatonic opera, he, he produces this sort of extraordinary dissonance that actually describes this almost climactic moment in in the in the in the fight that's going on brilliantly.
1: Now, I do want to spend some time with Act 3, which is crucial. Um, And, Jim, you were on stage for virtually the entire first scene, and you started off with, uh, well, after the little bit between you and David, with another monologue, even more challenging interpretively than the first monologue had been. Um, Is it the craziness of the end of Act Two that inspires his monologue, which starts with the words, madness, madness, the whole world is madness, or is there something else that prompts him?
3: Well, I think that's probably uh, the catalyst. That's the thing that pushed it over the edge, so to speak. But Socks, as, as well as being a cobbler and a poet, he's a bit of a philosopher as well. And I think he's thought <clears throat> many times about the world situation. He, he says that he's looked through all the chronicles and all the histories uh, of the world. And uh, not Mel Brooks' history of the world, pardon me. But, uh, <laughs> um, <clears throat> and he's tried to understand this. And then the fight the night before just brought everything to the forefront, I think. Uh, that's my opinion, anyway. That's, that's what provoked this culmination of these thoughts that, that he finally expresses it.
1: Then you and Walter have your extended dialogue about the nature of Master Song. How does that proceed? I mean, how do you get into the subject with him? And how does that conversation proceed?
3: Well, he, when Walter comes in, he's in this dreamy state because he'd had this wonderful dream the night before, and he doesn't know how to express it. And Socks says to him, well, dictate it to me, and I'll, I'll write it down. And that becomes the basis of his song but during uh, the dictation uh, of this uh, Sox as we've said before is teaching him how to construct the piece how to construct the song and first he asks for one stanza then another stanza and then the third stanza is called An opkazong, which brings the first two together it gets very confusing um but then uh, one of the funny bits is that there are a lot of funny bits in this but uh at the at the very end of that scene, when Socks wants him to go through it yet again, and Walter just says "genug der Wort" enough of words, and I in the back of my head say, "Thank God."
6: <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs>
3: but when I was first learning it, you know, and I came across that line, I said, "Yeah, that's true." <laughs>
1: now, Johann Wagner makes the tenor's life pretty challenging by asking you for you sing the prize song in the course of the third act three times or that's four. That's correct. Three uh, times. Uh, three times. Is how is it different one to the other?
4: Well, uh, it all were, uh, it's at all a different time of the day. You know, the first one is during the day, um, where he's speaking about fruit on a tree, and how he sees the morning. You know, morgendlich leuchtet in Rosigem Shine. He's speaking about daybreak. Okay, the second was is for him. Uh, about the evening And then the third verse is Where he actually sees Eva uh, Being dressed up In Zax's uh, uh, You know with uh, where Zax is Trying to fix her shoe And I think Also at that point He realizes how beautiful she is And that's the, that that's, brings out The third verse out of him uh, Which for me You know I work in those pictures for uh, to do this. Otherwise, I mean, I'm dis- I've got dyslexia, so I want to just read it and understand it. It won't work for me. So I work in those pictures, singing the whole song, and remembering the words. And very interesting, if you go to the Metropolitan Opera and and also in Vienna, uh, in the Schusterstuber, you will see at some points where previous colleagues. Have scribbled down some of the keywords of the text mm. all over the set. <laughs> and just to, it's very confusing because, and then uh, to top it all, uh, in the Fest visa, um he, changes the the, he changed the whole melody uh, in the middle of the song. And for part of, where, uh, for me, which I believe as, in the fantastic quintet that uh, between the five of us, where he got the inspiration, I think, to do that, to get into the first visa, where he is inspira- in, uh, got his inspiration about the way she's saying, she's telling him, you know, things. And he says also in the quintet, and he also acknowledged the fact that uh, it's your love who made me do this, you know and that's the most amazing th- uh, sentence I think um, in the quintet uh, when we are doing the whole quintet together and for me I think that's also giving the final inspiration in the end of the opera uh, to take the whole thing and put it a step further and at that point I think and I believe and we also do that um, he Mozart's. All of a sudden,
3: just uh, hear him changing the whole thing. He's, he's proud of him because, once again, he's departed into this newness. There's yes. the, the form that that they've created together, Socks yeah. and Walter. And then, uh, at the last minute, Walter, within this form, he makes a departure yes. on his own, and that makes Socks very proud of him.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Like Walter, Beckmesser has a very important dialogue with... Uh, in the first scene of Act Three. So, Bo, what qualities of Beckmesser's character are most in evidence in that dialogue? Do you think?
5: Well, well, he's coming to to blame Sachs again that he really quasi took his song away, destroyed his song, and how is what is he going to do now? Next day is the next day is the big day where he has to sing for for Eva and he has no song anymore. It's 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 gone, and um, and Sachs play this actually a very bad trick on Beckmesser here and says, mm-hmm. "Oh, take this one that that Walter just sung. Take take this one. You can have it. It's fine. Just do with it whatever you well, want." Well, first
3: you stole it and then I yeah. Like totally. it. yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
5: it appeared in my pocket suddenly <laughs> yes yeah. but uh, that's right and you say I can have it and I say fantastic a song that so- Sachs wrote is going to conquer everybody that there's no way that it will not work and, and, and that makes this scene tragical and very funny also because Beckmesser thinks that he's now uh, Tarzan. you know that's that's
4: well there's one little mistake that you do is you do it He's, he's folding the piece of paper, although the ink is not dried yet. <laughs> yeah. That's one of the reasons <laughs> why in the fest visa, when you compare yeah. the the text that he sings about the song and what I've composed, it's two different
3: pieces. Yeah. I never uh, thought of it that way.
5: <laughs> <laughs> I never thought about that either, but that's a good idea. Right. I'll it's take that in. You know. <laughs> yeah, no. <laughs> take it's,
3: that it's, in on it's, Friday. It, no, it is
4: the reason, because if you no. read what... Uh, you are singing in the, thir- in the yeah, first yeah. Visa, and what I have written yeah. uh, in some scores you get it whether it's written underneath the other it's so mm. funny if you have the right you know the right text and the wrong text yeah. it's mm. it very amazing
1: um, Beckmesser is actually a character who has undergone something of a metamorphosis at least on the vocal side in the last couple of decades because Bo, you are among baritones who have made us recognize the really the music in the role because it was mm-hmm. caricatured for so many years yeah. um, so I, I really want to publicly applaud you for <laughs> for that because... Right. For singing, for, 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 <laughs> yeah. for singing, singing the, right the notes, notes,
2: truly. Well, it's oh. it's it's, and it's a bit like Mima in yeah. in That's the right. ring. You know, it's uh, both Beckmessers and Mimas have traditionally sort of barked and and yelped their way through through their roles in in a way that actually makes. And when when you sing the notes right music sounds better you know?
1: <laughs> well, people.
3: no he, he's great, he's great. Yeah, he's great. People and in a dress rehearsal he hits his high A as he leaves and oh, yeah. for the first time ever I've heard an audience <laughs> <laughs> yes. applaud his exit
1: <laughs> but people also in the last 20 years have shown the humanity in the character and where do you think the, our sympathy for him our, our, and his, his human qualities can emerge most vividly but
5: I I think that is very human also. It's human to fail also. And I think that is actually what, what, what he shows also. He's so desperately trying to get one idea through that he wants to marry this lady. I don't really think that... Yeah, who knows that does he love her or what he never speaks about that it's just a, a kind of position that he wants by marrying this girl he will have a higher position and people would look more up to him so i don't know if there's love in the in 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 the game here i have not the slightest idea but but i think that that at the end people feel sorry for him because because he's 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 a he's a human being and, and it's human to fail also.
1: Um, I wanted to say a little bit about the final scene, Marie, because it's so, again, the opening of that scene is so complicated. So um, approximately how many people do you have to get on stage for the, the meadow scene?
6: Well, the scene changed. This is the joke in Meister Singer. Uh, Wagner writes such long scenes, and then suddenly when you have to go from the Schusterstube, so the workshop Sachse, scene, the workshop, to the meadow, he gives you one one minute and 30 seconds to do that, so it's quite a challenge for every theatre in the world um, Here the scene change is going very well and we get uh, we do get everyone on stage before the curtain goes up and there's about 150 people on stage
1: And you have in little individual groups of the the, the the tailors and the bakers and yes, all of that Yes,
6: because the, the the party, the festivity, the festival um, brings the guilds together, and they are competing and singing their guild song. Let's call them call them that way, and um, challenging themselves. Uh, you know, competing on about uh, who's the most important for the life of Nuremberg. Are the are the bakers more more important than the tailors or the or the the, the cobblers? You know, so different groups are competing but it's a it's a popular it's a party you know they're having a festival on the meadow and everyone's drinking beer and uh, kids are running around and and um, and the women are cheering for their guilds you know um, so this is how the contrast between wh- where we left the quintet and in two two minutes later, getting to the meadow is is amazing. It's fascinating. It's very entertaining. I think
1: um, we are basically out of time, but there is one question that I think I, we have to address. And so, Jim and Marie also um, Wagner gives Sachs the final solo passage of the opera, which is before the brief last chorus, mm-hmm. and he's talking about. Nationhood in a way That in the course of the 20th century Became quite controversial So how do we interpret That final speech of Zax's today uh,
3: <clears throat> Well first of all that one page of mu- Two pages of music That really addressed that issue Wagner didn't actually want to put in His wife made him put it in <laughs> But if you look at it Closely uh, He's not talking about any kind of Nationality in the sense of overtaking the world or conquering other people Mm -hmm. he's talking about if they are conquered like it's after the napoleonic wars if they are conquered they have their art to fall back on that that's their core that's what holds them together and nobody can take that away from them they could take over their properties take over their government but they can't take their art away from Mm -hmm. them and so I think the uh, the objections that a lot of people have about that section are really unfounded. Uh, that came along after the World War, and uh, that's why a lot of people don't like Meistersinger, just because of that one reference. But I think it's
1: misunderstood a lot. Um, it, Marie, do, would you like to comment on that? Or? No, I think that, that's exactly... Um, <laughs> and in conclusion, I wanted to ask all of you if there is any sort of food for thought that you would like the Lyric Opera audience to take away with them from experiencing this piece which is a piece that does not come along very often in our lives and it's really a privilege to have it on our stage but what would you like them to remember from it? In
2: 12 words or less. (laughs) (laughs) Well uh, it's it's one of the uh, most remarkable pieces in terms, I think, of showing human frailty and foibles mm. and, and the fragility of, of so many of our, you know, relationships um, and the fragility, the potential fragility of society and, and the idea that art is what actually does unite us is is a very strong message i think and, and yeah. jim's right that the end of the piece that, that speech at the end is about that more than anything else and that's what we believe that's why we do what we do so yeah. maybe that's the yeah. i don't know
1: it's also to me i mean and david McVicker has talked to me about this it's about community is it not marie
6: yes about keeping the community together around these ideas of cherishing the art, the what we share, what uh, and the way Hans Sachs finishes the opera is, of course, opening onto a future of um, peace, a, a more peaceful approach to the living together. And um, the Beckmesser figure is so... In this production, we are playing a beat at the end of the show, and I believe that, uh, as you said, Bo, uh, Beckmesser is so human, he still belongs to the community, although in other productions, and if you follow Wagner's crazy indications at that moment, he should be ousted and kicked Mm -hmm. out of the community. Well, if you keep him in, and whether he decides to leave or not, is a way to say we accept, yes, there is a message of tolerance, as it were, and um, through art, and what yeah, what art brings, uh, how art brings people together in that way.
1: And gentlemen, our singers?
4: Well, I think uh, during the whole history of mankind, uh, music was one of the main things that keep everybody together, and culture also. Uh, you, you, If you want to kill people or you want to kill a, a country, you take away its culture. Mm-hmm. And I... Experienced that in South Africa a lot, because we had we've got 17 different cultures, black cultures that living with us, and uh, I've learned there what it's the whole thing is all about. And if you want to have peace around the world, I mean, you have to respect each other culture. And I think that is what in this piece is one of the most biggest things that also what Hazak has said. Respect the culture. Because I come in when I said I don't want to be part of this culture, he said, because if you don't do it this way, then you have to go. All right? And that's, I think, is the most important thing in the life. You have to respect each other's culture, no matter what it is. Mm-hmm.
1: Bo and Jim? Fine, fine yeah. with me. No. <laughs> what, what he said. Yeah, exactly. um, I want to thank all of you. This has been truly enlightening, and I want to wish all of you in Boca Lupo and Toy 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 for all the performances of Meister Zinger. Thank, thank you. Thank you.
0: Thank you for listening to this edition of Backstage at Lyric. For more interactive content and to purchase tickets, visit lyricopera.org.